Three Podcasting is a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB. Have you ever watched a movie and wondered why they cast that woman or that guy? Well, here's our chance to give it a try. We're repodcasting. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Repodcasting. I'm Lucia. And I'm Janet. Hi, Janet. How are you doing? Well, that uh, puts it firmly on the date we recorded. <laughs> yeah, we're recording Valentine's Day. It's not going to come out until March the 1st. But... Yeah. Um, well, yes, happy Valentine's to you, too. Thank you. <laughs> well, it's kind of fitting that we're actually doing this today, this particular movie, because this is considered a romantic comedy, this movie that we'll be discussing. Mm, okay. So the movie is Aloha from 2015, uh, written and directed by Cameron Crowe. And I guess, yeah, it would be a romantic comedy, although I didn't find many comedic elements. I don't know about you. <laughs> no, but uh, it's like when you look it up, it's classified as romantic comedy. So Interesting. All right. Well, uh, this movie was my pick, and I selected it because it's one of those movies that if you ever, you know, Google poorly cast movies or anything like that, this is on every list. So I didn't know much about it other than the controversy that came about uh, of casting Emma Stone as a quarter Chinese, quarter Hawaiian character. Other than that, I really knew nothing about it. But because I had seen it on all those lists, I thought it'd be a good one to recast. Right. And I mean, it's on those lists because of her specifically. For sure. And I do want to say at the top of this that, like, I don't blame Emma Stone. I don't think it's her fault. And I think that she was fine. Like, I don't think she was even bad in it. But, yeah, she's clearly not the right choice. So, um, the box office, Janet, what did you find? So, the budget for the movie was $37 million, And it made $26 million at the box office. So, it was not a commercial success. No. It, yeah, it didn't do well. And I was actually reading uh, that it probably lost a lot more money. I can't remember what the actual figure was. I think it was $65 million. It was someone who, um, she, someone wrote an article about the movie for Variety. Mm -hmm. And they said that all in all, they ended up losing a lot more money, which, I mean, it was critically slammed. Yeah. And I'm not surprised. I mean, now having seen it, regardless of the Emma Stone casting thing, it's a bad movie. I did not enjoy it at all. No, this movie is 200% stupid. <laughs> and I don't know if you saw this, but um, I read that. Uh, do you remember when Sony's computer systems were hacked in 2014 and they had all these emails leaked? Some Sony executives were really, really critical of this movie and pessimistic about its box office prospects long before it was filmed or released. So in one of the emails, Amy Pascal, who was then the co-chair of Sony Pictures Entertainment, she wrote that many aspects of the movie's characters and plot made no sense. Uh, she said, I'm never starting a movie again when the script is ridiculous and we all know it. I don't care how much I love the director or the actors. It never, not even once, ever works. As much as I want 
want movies to release, this is way worse. At least the marketing departments at both studios have something to sell that looks big and glossy. We have this movie in for a lot of dough, and we better look at that. Scott Rudin didn't once go to set or help us in the editing room or fix the script. <laughs> so, yikes. Yeah, just from watching, like sitting down to initially watch the movie, like the plot of the movie makes absolutely no sense yeah. whatsoever. And the only reason that this movie was made was because it was like it's got prestige people right it's mm-hmm. got cameron crowe who wrote it and directed you know they had a pretty all-star cast right yeah. so it's it's got prestige people attached to it but i don't care like it <laughs> is a pile of shit like yeah. honestly the plot is so absurd and so unintelligible i was just like I can't believe that this got made. Mm -hmm. It's a big sloppy mess. And you know, it's interesting. Before we get into the the casting, this movie was really slammed initially because of the whole whitewashing thing, right? Mm -hmm. Because they cast Emma Stone. And what I thought was really interesting was an apology that Cameron Crowe... Did you see the apology? I did. That he wrote? Yes. So, like, I wanted to ask you because I saw the whole phrasing of the apology right and I was reading it and I was like what's wrong with this apology yeah for those listeners who haven't heard it did you want to yeah I'm gonna read it okay so the apology he put it in a blog post or, or whatever because he was receiving so much criticism for the fact that he cast Emma Stone in this role so he wrote I have heard your words and your disappointment and I offer you a heartfelt apology to all who felt this was an odd or misguided casting choice and I absolutely hate it Mm -hmm. when people write apologies like this because it's not an apology yeah the phrasing of it is not an apology basically what this person is saying is well, this is your problem that you didn't like it because you felt that it was odd or misguided casting. He didn't say, like, sorry, I screwed up on the casting. Yeah. I hate when people write apologies like that because it's not an apology. Absolutely. I'm sorry that you felt that I made a mistake is what the apology is. And that's, you're right, that's not an apology. Anyway. (laughs) Um, One of the things, though, I will say this. One of the things that was in that apology as well is that the character Captain Allison Ng was written to be a super proud quarter Hawaiian who was frustrated that by all outward appearances, she looked nothing like one. So that does kind of track with her constantly telling everybody that she's Hawaiian. Did you know I'm Hawaiian? Did you know I'm Hawaiian? Because, yeah, it's coming from a character who clearly doesn't look Hawaiian. Now, that being said, I still, I'm not saying that, therefore, she was a good casting choice and there's nothing wrong with this and it's not whitewashed. Of course it is. But I did find that interesting. Yeah. But yeah, so the synopsis. Okay, so I'm just going to say this real quick. Uh, Last time we were about to record, I said to Janet, oh, you know, I think I'd like to start just kind of writing my own synopses because usually I just pull one off of IMDb or something like that. And this was the worst possible time to start writing my own synopses because what is even happening in this movie? (laughs) So, anywho. Did you write a super long 
No, no, I wanted to keep it brief, so (laughs) here goes. Ex-military guy Brian Gilchrist goes to Hawaii working with a big corporation. He meets a girl half his age, falls in love, sees his ex, learns he's a dad, and saves the world. That's the (laughs) the plot of this movie. Oh my gosh, it was so ridiculous. Like, every minute was more ridiculous than the previous. But you kind of left out, like, uh, some of the, well... Tell me, yeah, yeah. What did I leave out that's... Well, like, the really odd, like, just the whole plot of the movie itself is so ridiculous. How he works for, I don't know, you know what, I don't even want to get into it because we're going to spend, like, three hours (laughs) talking about it. So let's just move on. Yeah. Okay, well then, um, we'll just do a quick iTunes review before we move on. This is our last iTunes review, so anybody listening, if you haven't written one, please do. We'd love to read it on air. So this one was by Freelance Love. I had no idea how much I agreed that Leonardo DiCaprio was too old for Wolf of Wall Street until I heard your show. Thank you for doing this important service. (laughs) Wow, well, we're doing we sure are oh boy okay so uh we'll take a quick break and then we will move on to our recasting choices looking for tickets to major sporting events concerts or theater events in your area use the ticket resale site seatgiant.ca seat giant is canadian owned and operated and they guarantee every ticket all of their ticket prices are in canadian dollars even for events that are in the u.s You can use the promo code APN, all lowercase, at checkout to get 5% off your purchase. What does the APN stand for? Alberta Podcast Network, of course. So find more than a million tickets at seatgiant.ca and use the offer code APN to get 5% off at checkout. And now back to the show. And we're back. So we decided to cast recast two of the roles in this movie. That would be Emma Stone, who played Allison Ng, and Bradley Cooper, who played Brian Gilchrist. So um, I'll get started uh, with Emma Stone. She was pretty young. She was 27 during the filming of this movie. And I went with somebody a little more experienced. I know that that is part of the character, like she is supposed to be young, but... As often, often, often happens in Hollywood movies, the huge age gap between the young woman and the older man, it was just too big of an age gap for me. I didn't like it. So, yeah, I agree. Yeah. So I went with Olivia Munn, who okay. uh, was 35 at the time of this filming, and she has been in Magic Mike. She played Joanna. Uh, She also did a few episodes on the show New Girl. She played Angie, who was um, Nick's love interest. And she was on the newsroom. She played Sloane. And then also in X-Men Apocalypse. And I don't know how to pronounce her character's name. I think it's Psylocke. But yeah, so she's been in a handful of things. She is of half Asian descent, if I'm not mistaken. And I, I like her. I haven't seen her in a ton of things. I I didn't watch the newsroom and I don't watch X-Men Apocalypse stuff, X-Men stuff. But what I do know her from, I always enjoy her. And I feel like she would have brought an interesting, I don't know how to describe it. Because Emma Stone is like, she's very cute. We all know that. I, I love Emma Stone. But the way that she speaks about Hawaiian 
heritage and uh, myths and things like that in this movie is a little too wide-eyed cutesy that I don't like that I feel like it actually you can tell in the movie that it's meant to be done with reverence and respect but to me it actually goes in the opposite direction and I feel like Olivia Munn could have done it the way that it's supposed to be intended well I think Olivia Munn is certainly I mean she would have been more appropriate in terms of like she would look the part much more so than Emma Stone obviously right Right. but yeah Olivia Munn is She's good. She's pretty skilled at comedy, and I think she she could have done it. What I think, here's what I think when it comes to Cameron Crowe. I don't think that he's very good at writing female characters. Yeah, that's fair. If you look at a lot of the other movies that he's done, Mm -hmm. you know what I noticed? Here's the thing that I noticed. Why did Emma Stone have to be blonde in this movie? Mm-hmm. You know, then they tried explaining it that she was, like, part Swedish as yeah. well. Yeah, yeah. Like, the whole thing was so ridiculous. <laughs> and, you know, he tends to write his female characters almost in this way, like, they're kind of like these manic pixie dust girls. Yeah. Right? They never feel like women. They're like these girls who are basically there just to admire the handsome, heroic, leading man. For sure. Yeah. Like that's basically their function. Agreed. If you look at, like, his other film work, like Jerry Maguire, Almost Famous, Elizabethtown, We Bought a Zoo, and then Aloha, all of his leading women are blonde. <laughs> so Cameron Crowe has a type, obviously, right? Yeah. Cameron Crowe thinks that his leading ladies should be blonde yeah and one-dimensional absolutely (laughs) so yeah like the whole thing with sorry were you finished talking about emma stone i was i was yeah please continue and then tell us your choice the way that he wrote this allison ing character i was just like i hate the way he's written this character Mm -hmm. and that's not emma stone's fault not at all but i also didn't like the way emma stone played her yeah either like i thought that there was a little too much overacting going on yes like it was a little too much quirky sexy adorable girl going on yeah and my guess would be that that's how she was directed to play the part yeah without a doubt when we first meet her uh when is it she first finds out that bradley cooper's working for bill murray she, you can tell she's really like indignant and self-righteous and the Bill Murray character and his company are just awful. And then when they're all out at a dance, suddenly she wants to like sexy dance with Bill Murray, who could be her grandfather. It was so weird. And the character took such a strange turn. I hated it. Yeah. So like I say, I didn't like the way he wrote, but I just don't like, I don't like the way he writes female characters. Yeah. I don't think that he's very adept at writing female characters. The other thing that I got from watching Emma Stone, like I was just sitting there and I was thinking, wow, Cameron Crowe totally wants to bone Emma Stone. (laughs) Oh no. (laughs) Like that's sort of what I thought because just the way that he lights her in the movie, like she always has like this really beautiful, like soft, 
luminescent lighting around her and the way like the camera lingers on her so much like more so even than Rachel McAdams because Rachel McAdams is also in this movie I've heard that before that all directors want to have sex with their leading ladies and that just kept going through my mind the whole time that I was watching this I was like Cameron Crowe totally had like a middle-aged crush on Emma Stone and that's why he cast her in this movie yeah like I really believe that gross you know so I don't know that's just my opinion but yeah I mean I get that she's only supposed to be a quarter Chinese a quarter Hawaiian and and Swedish as well I guess that's why her character has blonde hair I don't know but she was wrong for the part Mm -hmm. besides the obvious that she doesn't look right for the part because she's not Asian I also just didn't think she was right for the role. So I actually, here's the thing. I understand that they wanted to cast big names in these roles. Okay. I get that, right? Because it's a Cameron Crowe picture and big deal. But you know what? Based on this script, I have watched better plot lines on Hallmark. (laughs) Yeah. I'm sorry. Sad but true. If Cameron Crowe was not directing this movie, this would be like a a Hallmark Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. You're right. So I was like, I am not going to cast any big names in these roles because I don't feel that anyone deserves to be cast in this shit. (laughs) (laughs) It should be like B-list or C-list actors. Oh, I can't wait to hear who you chose. (laughs) So I went with Shannon Sossaman. Okay, yeah. Age-wise, she is older than Emma Stone. I thought Emma Stone was also too young. I don't Mm -hmm. like that age gap when, like, the male lead is 40 years old, like Bradley Cooper was when he did this movie. And then, you know, the the younger actress is, like, 15 or 20 years younger than him. Mm -hmm. I'm not down with that. And that's Mm -hmm. another problem that I have with Cameron Crowe because he does this a lot. I'm not into that. So Shannon Sossman is a little bit older. She would have been about 36-ish, 35, 36. Um, And also, she's actually part Hawaiian. Oh, cool. And part Filipina as well. And then she's English, German, Dutch, French, Irish. So there's like a... I think in terms of looks-wise, hopefully she would have looked a bit more right for the part. She has worked steadily. She just doesn't do a lot of bigger projects. Her career started off really positively, right? Yeah. She was, remember when she did 40 Days and 40 Nights? Mm-hmm. And then she was in A Knight's Tale, and she was in The Holiday. She played Jack Black's girlfriend yeah. in that. So. She has steadily worked. She just does a lot of smaller projects. Okay. But she's certainly skilled at doing romantic comedies. Like, that's how she started out. And I think she could have played this role. I've seen enough of her work that I think she could have pulled off this role. Yeah, no I think I think that's a really good choice. And I think that Shannon Sussman is one of those people who, yeah, she seemed to start off really promising in a lot of big pictures, a lot of leading roles. And then suddenly kind of dropped off. Like, as you said, she is still working, but not as in the spotlight as I would have expected. But yeah, 
nice pick. I think she would be good. Thanks. Okay, so moving on to the Bradley Cooper character, Brian Gilchrist. So I don't think we need to, like, harp on about how much we dislike Bradley Cooper. We've done that. And go back and listen to our Silver Linings Playbook episode. I think that in this movie, it feels like the character is intended to be complex, but with Bradley Cooper in that position, there's no complexity whatsoever. It's yeah. it's just such a, like, not that this is some dream role or anything, obviously, but still, it's a shame because, you know, that could have helped the movie for sure. So I decided to go with Jeremy Sisto, who... Oh. Yeah, he was Elton in Clueless. He was in Six Feet Under as well. He was Brenda's brother, Billy. He is Earl in Waitress. And he was the dad in Suburgatory. So I really like him. Anytime he shows up, I'm happy to see him. You know, no matter what kind of character he's doing, he does it well. The character of Earl in Waitress, it's a light movie, but his character is dark as fuck. So... <laughs> I feel like I saw him in something recently. I should know because I was looking up his uh, filmography yesterday, but right now I do not recall. Okay. Suburgatory was the most recent thing that I've seen him in. But is that a movie? No, it's a TV show. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. Uh, let's see. I'll, I just pulled it up so I can tell you right now. The most recent thing, he was in a TV show called FBI... Frozen 2. He was a voice in Frozen 2. A voice in Ferdinand. So he's been doing some uh, animation. Oh, he hasn't done a lot, a lot recently. There's a movie called Love is All You Need. Lots of little TV stuff. So yeah, he hasn't been doing, he's been working, but he hasn't been doing a lot of big film roles. So I think he could have brought a little more depth to this character because you kind of see him, you're supposed to see him go on a journey, kind of. Like, he gets there and he's jaded and he's angry and he just wants to be left alone. And then the Emma Stone character is supposed to kind of break him down and then you see him soften. And with Bradley Cooper, it's just all kind of like, it's all there. You don't see any kind of change. I don't know. I, it was really disappointing. So I think Jeremy Sisto could have done that much better. Is he he's the same age. age as Bradley Cooper? Yeah, he's a year older than Bradley Cooper, but yeah, about the same age. Yeah, because he looks like he's been around. Well, he has been around for a while. <laughs> sure, yeah. Clueless is from 95 or something. Yeah. You know, I'm not a, a huge Bradley Cooper fan, but you know, watching him in this role, I was thinking to myself, and I'm putting this question out to you as well. Okay. Now that I have seen enough of Bradley Cooper's work. Here's the thing. Is Bradley Cooper always playing the same character or does he play his characters the same way? Yeah, I'd say it's the latter because at least from the films I've seen of his, it's not the same character or it's not supposed to be the same character. Because here's the thing. I've seen him in quite a few movies now and his character is always angry, he's an alpha male, he's super aggressive, just really abrasive, right? Because even in Silver Linings Playbook, where he plays someone who has bipolar disorder, right? And he, so he's supposed to be angry, so I get that. But then you look at other movies that he's done like that, 
uh, he was in Place Beyond the Pines. Mm-hmm. His character is, is like that as well, like yeah. super abrasive and, and like aggressive. And then he did that movie Burnt. Did you see that movie? I did. Where he's a chef. Yeah. Same kind of character. Wedding Crashers. Yep. Total aggressive asshole. The Hangover. Even that. Oh, I haven't seen those ones. Oh, good for you. They're not good. Um, <laughs> but even like uh, that movie that he did, that awful movie that he did with Sandra Bullock, All About Steve. <laughs> same thing. Like he's angry. So are his characters all supposed to be angry or is that how he's playing his characters? If he's playing his characters that way... And even if he's choosing the same type of characters, let's say it's always the same type of character that he's choosing, doesn't that kind of show that he doesn't really have much of a range as an actor? Yeah, definitely. I would go one further and say it's not even how he's choosing to play the characters. I think that's just who he is. Right, because remember when we we discussed Silver Linings Playbook? Yeah, yeah. The actor who cast him. What was his name? Was it David David Russell? Yes. Like, that was part of the backstory <laughs> was he wanted Bradley Cooper because he met him somewhere and that Bradley Cooper was such a rage head in real life. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I so, think that it's not that he's playing the characters angry. I think that just comes out because that's who he is. I don't know. Anyway, to me, <laughs> like, what that says is that Bradley Cooper's range as an actor is very limited oh for sure it's funny because just today it came out that he's going to be playing barry gibb what yeah i wasn't sure if you had seen this so i was saving this little (laughs) nugget for uh for our recording so it was announced today apparently he's in talks to play barry gibb in some biopic and you know it's obvious bradley cooper is thirsting hard for an Oscar, yeah. right? Oh my God, yeah. <laughs> if he didn't get it for Star is Born, he sure as hell wants it for a Barry Gibb biopic. <laughs> what is happening? So uh, let me ask you this. I don't know much about Barry Gibb. I'm not sure if you do. Was he a very angry person? Because that's how he's going to be played if right, Bradley exactly. Cooper does it. So listen, everyone, get ready for the <laughs> angriest Barry Gibb. Oh no. I believe he passed away, but I'm um, not positive. But anyway, send us your your emails and <laughs> tell us whether he's alive or not. But yeah, like get ready to see the angriest Barry Gibb if Bradley Cooper ends up playing him. Uh, my apologies to Barry Gibb, who is still alive. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, Barry Gibb. <laughs> um, anyway, okay, so that's just my little blurb about... <laughs> okay. don't do that to him. Yeah, I was going to cast James Marsden in the role, but then once I started thinking about it, I was just like, no. Um, (laughs) Also, here's another thing. I thought Bradley Cooper was actually 
not too young, but here's my take on the character of Brian Gilchrist. I got the sense that Brian Gilchrist should have been a little bit older, a little bit more seasoned. Because we're supposed to believe that this is a guy who has, like, been through it all. Yeah. Like, he's been through it, right? He was in Afghanistan. He almost died. He's been through the ringer, this guy. Mm -hmm. And at one point in the movie, I don't know if you noticed this, but at one point, Brian and Allison go to see some of the Hawaiian elders. One of the elders says to Brian Gilchrist, Keith Richards looks like a teenager next to you. Yeah, yeah. He actually says this. Yes. So I was like, <laughs> what? Like, again, this was a whole where I was like, this script is a pile of nonsense. <laughs> How can you look at Bradley Cooper, <laughs> the actor, and say that he looks old next to Keith Richards? Yeah, that's right? lunacy. Yeah, the whole thing. So I started to think, you know what? I want to go with an older actor oh. because I feel like it should be a, an actor who's maybe a little bit older and who maybe looks a little more seasoned, right, okay. than Bradley Cooper did with his, like, super young face. So I went with one of our favorites here at Repodcasting. I cast Gerard Butler <laughs> in the role <laughs> because I thought, you know what, Jerry Butler has just the right amount of, you know, he could play this, and you'd actually be sitting here watching this movie, and it would be so bad that it's good. Yes. Charles <laughs> Butler has that magic touch where oh, no. he's so bad that he's good. That, oh my God, Janet, that is, we can finish the podcast now because that is perfect recasting. <laughs> Gerard Butler is a little bit older. Yeah. Uh, Gerard Butler is actually 50 years old now. So he would have been about 45. Oh, yeah. That's but perfect. He, kind of, he looks seasoned. He does. Like when you look at Gerard Butler's face, you're like, oh, <laughs> that guy's been through it. Yes. Yes. So yes. I thought in that respect, he would have maybe fit the role of Brian Gilchrist a little bit better. And he, you maybe would have believed that this character has, you know, has seen it, has been through it, has almost died, was in Afghanistan, like, has seen war, all this stuff. Like, looking at Gerard Butler, you would believe that if yeah. he was playing this character. Absolutely. And also, let's face it, like, he's done a lot of romantic comedies. Like, he can do it. And it would be, like, funny. Maybe not. Maybe you'd be laughing for the wrong reason. But, you know, I was just like, this movie needs Gerard Butler in it. It needs his magic. And also, like, I was trying to picture him opposite Shannon Sossaman, and I was like, yeah, I could see that match. Like, she would still look a lot younger than him, mm -hmm. right? And, I mean, I wouldn't mind seeing what that chemistry would look like. Sure. So. <laughs> oh, Janet, I love that casting so much. <laughs> <laughs> Gerard Butler. I mean, all joking aside, I actually do really love him. I think he's, you know, we make fun of his movies a lot, but 
they have a place in 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 pop culture as far as I'm concerned. Oh, for sure, for sure. And you know, Gerard Butler has been in enough nonsensical movies. Like I've heard him spout nonsense beautifully. <laughs> he can spout this nonsense in this crap script. Are so you kidding me? It's great. Like, couldn't you see? Couldn't you? Okay, picture this because this is an actual line that Brian Gilchrist says in the movie. Could tell me if you can't picture Gerard Butler saying this line because I totally could. At one point he's having a discussion with Allison Ng and he says, I go hard. I go deep. Sometimes I break things. Oh my god. Come on. Like couldn't you see Gerard <laughs> Butler saying that? Yes. Bring that line. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It would be a thing of beauty if Gerard Butler had said it. That's so great. Oh, my gosh. I'm, like, I'm now a little speechless because, like, that's really great. <laughs> oh, man. I love it. Okay. I wanted to bring up a couple of other titles that I had seen, like the working titles of the movie. Yeah, I saw those. Okay. So... <laughs> I have to say, at the very least, they went with the right title because Aloha is much better than these other working titles, one of which was Deep Tiki. Yeah, I saw that one. And the other, which is a gem, Volcano Romance. Listen, I actually think it should have been called Volcano Romance. Well, at least it would prepare you for the garbage that you're about to see. Exactly, because if you saw a movie called Volcano Romance, it would absolutely prepare you for the nonsensical garbage that was coming your way that yeah. is this movie. This is a disaster piece. You know how, like, it is you know actually, yeah. Piece? This is a disaster piece <laughs> as far as I'm concerned. Oh my god. And oh, I don't even know like where to go from here. The part where they're trying to launch this the rocket. I don't even understand what was happening. And then uh, what's his face? Bradley Cooper types something into a computer and the rocket breaks apart as you hear all this pop culture. What? Yeah, the whole thing is ridiculous. I also, I didn't like, I mean, we didn't recast him, but I didn't like Bill Murray for that role either. And I wanted to, I didn't want it At to all. be like a big long list, but I would have been happy recasting Alec Baldwin too. Oh, see, he was actually the one person in this movie that I liked. Oh, okay. Like, I thought he was well cast in that role. I mean, he did fit the role, yeah. But I would have been happy to recast him anyway. Oh, okay. podcast if we had gone through and recast everybody that we wanted to recast because i'll say this as well rachel mcadams yeah i didn't like her for this role and you know who i felt the worst for was john krasinski poor john krasinski how was he stuck in that role in this movie listen what did john krasinski do to deserve this role okay what what awful thing did he do to Cameron Crowe <laughs> to deserve this role? Because John Krasinski is, not only is he completely miscast, but he's also completely underused. Yeah. Like, it's, it's criminal. Mm-hmm. It's criminal to me the way they underused John Krasinski in this role. It's awful. And can I just say, too, like... 
So Rachel McAdams is Bradley Cooper's ex. He comes into town and apparently she's acting different immediately because she's still in love with this man she hasn't seen in 13 years. And she invites him over to our house for dinner. Like, why? This man abandoned you 13 years ago. Like, anyway. So then uh, the husband, John Krasinski, he leaves. And Bradley Cooper is over at her house and she reads him a letter that her husband who like they've had trouble communicating so he he puts his feelings into this letter and gives it to his wife and she reads it aloud to Bradley Cooper as they laugh and make fun of him i i wanted to like shoot them all down at that point like i was furious right but this you know lucy this all goes back to the fact that it's a bad script well of course of course right? it's a bad script i mean we can It made me sad because I thought I liked Cameron Crowe. <laughs> and I, I still like, you know, I still like Almost Famous. I still like Say Anything. I haven't seen Jerry Maguire in a long time, but I remember liking it at the time. So it was extra disappointing to realize you know, that he's not good. because he And he hasn't been good in a long, long time. Yeah. See, I have never been part of the Cameron Crowe fan club. Sure. And, you know, I know that there's a lot of people that really lose their shit over his work, and that's fine. If, if he's your flavor, then that's fine. Good for you. To me, he's just another example of that type of filmmaker, and there are many of them, and they're all men, <laughs> right? That type of filmmaker in Hollywood that regardless of how bad their movies suck ass they continuously get second and third and fourth chances yeah and That's... Cameron Crowe is a perfect example of mm -hmm. this and there's lots of others yeah we could, we could sit here and like name like a huge list but he always comes to mind because there's like this prestige like you know he made one good movie and it's debatable if it was even good right jerry Maguire. <laughs> uh yeah you know he made that that one movie that was like a success and it won oscars and blah 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 and like that was it and then he went on to do like a string of shitty movies i know a lot of people like almost famous but like i said you know he just he's that type of filmmaker he has had so many bombs but he's just he continues to work yeah he continues he to be female, given big budget he was a female filmmaker his career would have been done by now done you wouldn't even hear about him anymore yeah he's a prime example of how unfair and imbalanced hollywood Absolutely. is you know when i like i didn't mind jerry mcguire mcguire but i stopped liking him when he did vanilla sky because that was a remake of a spanish film that i had seen it was mm -hmm. called uh abre los ojos i said that wrong sorry no I you said, said it right <laughs> um but this was it was a 1997 film the 
Penelope Cruz was in. Yeah. Isn't that funny that she was in both versions? Did you see the Spanish version? I did. Yeah. Like, that movie was excellent. Mm -hmm. Excellent. And then Cameron Crowe decided that he wanted to remake it and call it Vanilla Sky and put Tom Cruise in it. And I have hated Cameron Crowe ever since that movie. Yeah. Probably when I really was like, this guy is not good like you know maybe he got lucky with jerry Maguire, but it's like no i'm not i'm not down with this and then after that it was just like i didn't care for almost famous and like after that he's just made a string of flops he really has yeah almost famous was before vanilla sky but yeah starting at vanilla sky because so i started looking through his filmography and looking at you know critic ratings and things like that and vanilla sky was very poorly regarded as was every movie since then that he's yeah. done yeah and he keeps i mean perfect example aloha i can't believe yes. that they threw that kind of money at him oh my god for this budget and yeah yeah I, i'm with you okay the last thing i wanted to mention before moving on was uh at the 2019 golden globes sandra oh said that crazy rich asians is the first major film with an asian american lead since ghost in the shell and aloha because of the emma stone thing but what i like about it is when she said that emma stone in the audience yelled out i'm sorry and people heard her yeah yeah so I still like Emma Stone. I don't blame her for this. I don't think it's her fault that this is a bad movie by any stretch. Like, it's it's the writing all the way. Mm-hmm. I don't blame her. Like, here's the thing. I like Emma Stone. Mm-hmm. I do. I like, I'm a big fan of, of her work, and I think she's a very good actor. Mm-hmm. But I also don't agree with you 100% when you say, well, I don't blame Emma Stone because... I kind of do blame Emma Stone in the sense that she decided to be in the film. She took the role, even though she obviously knew that the character was supposed to be a quarter Asian and a quarter Hawaiian. Like, that's a choice that she made as an actor. I mean, I don't blame her for a shitty script. Absolutely not. I don't blame her that the movie makes absolutely no sense. But I think as an actor, like, you have that agency to say, no, I'm not going to be a part of this project. Yeah, and I thought about that a lot when I was thinking about this movie, because on the one hand, I totally agree with you, and also the fact is that Emma Stone was already a star at this point, because if it was one of her earlier films and, you know, she wasn't that well-known, I would kind of cut her more slack. Exactly. I mean, she was cast in this movie because she already had a name and I'm sure she was part of the fact that he got such a big budget when you have like big names that's when they start throwing money at you right yeah um so I mean okay maybe she wanted to work with him but again it's not like it's not like he's like a super successful like yes he has the name he's Cameron Crowe but like I said at this point you know, he'd done a string of flops. Mm-hmm. So did she need this movie in her CV? Yeah. I don't know. Did yeah. she? I mean, I think she could have said no. Yeah, so I think that's fair. Mm-hmm. That's where I think, like, as an actor, you, you have that responsibility to say, well, no, I don't want to do this. I mean, yeah. nobody forces you to, like, you know... At this point, she wasn't a struggling actor yeah. by any means. She didn't need 
need to take the role mm -hmm. to establish herself, right? Yeah. Yeah, that, you raise a very good point. Well, anything else you'd like to say about this film that no. won't lead us down a one-hour rabbit hole? <laughs> yeah, I think I've, I've trashed this movie and Cameron Crowe enough. Okay. <laughs> okay, so, um, well, the ratings for this movie uh, are pretty much what you'd expect. On IMDb, it got a 40% from 36 critics, and on Rotten Tomatoes, it got a 20% from 163 reviewers. Yeah, I saw that. I yeah. Yeah, I mean, it deserves a very low score. <laughs> so I'm fine with that. Um, okay, so we'll take a quick break before we move on to our final segment. ATB understands that sometimes we all need a boost. That's why they started ATB Booster, a crowdfunding platform for small businesses. So if you have an idea and want to test it with a crowd, Booster can help you raise funds to grow and expand into the community. Whether you're a cafe in need of a new espresso machine or a boutique wanting to open a new location, check out atbbooster.ca to find out more. That's atbbooster.ca. And now back to the show. And we're back, and it is time for our last segment. Hold me close, young Tony Hey, you have the audio today. Yeah, I got it working. Awesome. <laughs> yes. So it's time for Hold Me Close, Young Tony Danza, speaking of Almost Famous, <laughs> um, the segment where we cast Tony Danza into one of the roles in this movie. I had kind of a tough time with this one. <laughs> did you? I did. I didn't really know where to put him. And I, I don't know. I didn't want him in this movie, as often happens with the movies we're recasting. But uh, I landed on Colonel Fingers Lacey, played by Danny McBride. Okay. Yeah, it's kind of like, you know, kind of a fun role. And I don't want Tony Danza being the villain. I don't want him being the lead in this movie. So it felt like a good in-between kind of role. Well, I did cast him as a villain. Oh, okay. Yeah. I uh, cast him in the Bill Murray role. I don't know why. I just thought, you know, we always give Tony Danza, like, the good guy role. <laughs> Or at least I do anyway. I always try to cast him as a good guy. So I thought, I'm going to cast him against type this time. And I'm mm -hmm. going to cast him as, like, the eccentric, older tycoon who's super shady and a bad guy. I sure. thought, I'll, I'll let Tony Danza stretch his acting wings a bit. Yeah, let him have some fun. Exactly. <laughs> Fantastic. Okay, well, I, I like to say often at the end of our episodes, I think we fixed this movie. <laughs> we did not fix this movie, but we There's certainly... no fixing this movie. No. But I think with our casting, we did improve it. Yeah, I think I, I like our casting better, for mm -hmm. sure. The whole Emma Stone thing was super problematic. But I think in this case, like, really, it's the script. Yeah. Maybe you could put in different actors. It might be slightly better, but it would still wouldn't fix the, the train wreck that is the script. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, Janet, thank you for joining me. Thank you. 
And um, as always, we can be found on all social media platforms at Repodcasting. If you have any comments, complaints, uh, suggestions for movies we should recast, you can email us at repodcasting at gmail.com. And before we go, Janet, do you want to let everybody know what we're going to be doing with next month's episode? Sure. So for our April episode, we've got something super special planned. I don't want to say too much. All I will say is that it is James Bond themed to sort of coincide with the new James Bond film. And that's all I'll say. Okay. Sounds good. Watch a bunch of James Bond movies in preparation. (laughs) Okay. Thank you, Janet. And thank you, dear listeners. We'll see you next month. Thanks. Bye. Bye.